Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. Thank you so much for being here on this Friday. We made it to the end of the week. I know there's a lot of talk about the Trump indictment and arraignment and everything that went on yesterday, but there is, honestly, to me, bigger news that's happened. Because at this oh point, my. it's like, okay, Trump indicted for the third time. All right, okay. How many times am we going to hear you know mainstream media types just go, uh, t- tried to give their dramatic monologues and, oh, this courthouse is just in the shadow of the Capitol. But we'll- you know what I'm, wa- I'm wondering? Because I'm a sports fan. I'm big yeah. into records, right? Records, like most points, most yards, yeah. most home runs, that kind of stuff. Most times indicted in a year. <laughs> for a public official? Yeah, I mean, Trump has to hold that record, doesn't he? He's, well, for president, certainly. We're yeah. three. For former presidents, yeah. I mean, yeah. definitely. I mean, even if you even if you weren't, I mean, indicted yeah. three times in a year. I mean, geez, man. But there, there's a bigger story to me, and it involves the current president of the United States. Tucker Carlson dropped another part of his interview with Hunter Biden's old pal, Devin Archer. Oh, yeah. This is the guy who testified on Capitol Hill behind closed doors earlier this week saying, well, yeah, I mean, Joe was, uh, you know, somewhat involved in the business. He was certainly on phone calls with uh, prospective clients and business associates. So the the fact that Joe Biden has maintained he never spoke to his kid about business, well, that's a lie. And yeah. Devin Archer, in this clip you're about to hear, uh, confirms that. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a lie. Tucker Carlson starts this off saying, you know, bringing up this idea that uh, Joe Biden knew absolutely nothing about what was going on with Hunter Biden behind the scenes. Right. There's no corruption here at all. This is totally normal. Joe Biden had no role whatsoever in uh, in his son's business or knowledge of it. But right. How would I mean that seems false? Yeah, I, I think that yeah, I think that's that's categorically false. I think that what what the he was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that that illustrates that he knew me. And I he's thanking you. <laughs> he's thanking you for so, his efforts. So I think that was, for, yeah, I think it's your a, efforts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that a, that's a, um, you know, that's that's not factually right. So to me now, the question for the White House, and, and the White House has been noticeably silent on this, and that's probably mm-hmm. for the best, because they've been caught in at least one lie, and then you have to wonder what other lies have they told regarding Joe's involvement in his son's business. The question to me is not anything about the details and asking the White House or Joe Biden himself about the details of what he knew and and when he knew it and what his role was and all of that. The question is simpler than this or than that. Why did you say that you never spoke to your son about his business? Why did you say that? Yeah, that that's the opening statement. That's the opening question. Why did you say that you never spoke to Hunter about his business? Why did you yell at Peter Ducey on the campaign trail? Ask the right question, he yelled at the Fox News reporter. Why did you not 
admit that, yeah, we talked occasionally, but I wasn't involved in the business. Because, look, if you – I mean, take a step back. If he has a conversation with his kid about who he's doing business with and giving him some advice and whatnot, you could say that looks unseemly given what Hunter Biden was up to. But you could probably wriggle out of that and say, but, you know, I wasn't telling him – uh, I wasn't promising any any favors for his business partners. I wasn't, you know, helping him out. It was more just as a father and son, we were having casual conversations because I wanted to know what was going on in his life. Right. And you could understand that. But he, the Hanley, for years denied that he ever even spoke to his kid about his business. So then the question is, why? Why were you worried about uh, admitting that you'd had conversations about his business? What else what else aren't you telling us now? Mm-hmm. That's the central question, and their answer will tell us a lot, whether it's Kareem, John, Claude, Van Damme, Mellon, Camp, Pierre, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and, or, or Joe Biden himself. I mean, every person in this administration should be asked that question. Hey, you know, uh, uh, HHS Secretary, Javier, uh, I almost called him Bacaria, because that's what, <laughs> that's what Joe called him, uh, Javier yeah. Becerra. Hey, hey, Javier, why... Do you ha- could you tell us at all why Joe Biden said he was never involved in this? And you know, Becerra may not have any knowledge of it, but at least get him on the record and, and look at his reaction to it. I mean, that's the number one question for everybody involved in this White House right now: is why did Joe say he never spoke to his kid about his business? Because obviously, that's not true. No, it's not true. Yeah, no. ob- obviously, he did talk about the business. So yep. that's. To me, that, that's, a, that's a bigger story uh, than another Trump indictment. But, of course, another Trump indictment, I guess you can still say historic indictment, historic election interference, in, in my opinion. I know I'm not alone there. Uh, after being arraigned yesterday in D.C., Donald Trump, he gave a quick statement. Uh, and here it is in full. This is all he said. This is a very sad day for America. And it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C., and seeing the filth and the decay and all of the broken buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Uh, When you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very you much. I mean, that, that is what it is. Uh, it's, it's, it is an absolute persecution. It's saying we are going to use a whole-of-government approach to taking down the guy who the professional political class didn't like. And, and it is a sad day for America. And I, I kind of shake my head whenever I hear... Uh, liberals saying that because they're pretending to not be overjoyed that Donald Trump has been arrested again. They are. They're, they're pretending uh, in, gonna, in some uh, cases, like as yeah. as they were following the motorcade into the courthouse. And I want to oh, say yeah, the this, somber moment. A, yes, okay. this is a sad it. day for America. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. the president of the United States. They're all trying to act like it's a serious thing. Right. Uh, but no, this is about the public humiliation of a political enemy, and on the part of a media. Or of the media, uh, it's a uh, it, it, they they love the public humiliation of a guy who called them out for being the hacks that they are. 
they they feel personally attacked by uh, Donald Trump, and they they gave him a case of the sads, and that's why they hate him, and they don't really care what the charges are. Well, here's the thing: if you don't think this, what comes around goes around. I mean, although I don't have a lot of uh, faith in the idiots that are Republicans, even that are doing yeah. this, you gotta go. You gotta go exactly. Have to use their playbook and do the same stuff over and over again until it stops. Well, you have to let people know we're not going to take this lying down. We're we're going to come after your guy. We feel like the charges we have against him are much more egregious than you currently have against Trump, yeah. and we're going to make sure that everybody knows about it. We'll keep yelling from the mountaintops as long as we can. We'll do all the legal, uh, you know, haggling we can possibly do. Yeah. But you got to do it. You got to follow through on it. Well, you got to set out concrete plans to say, "Here's how we're going to impeach Biden. We're going to do it starting today." And, and and to me, it's it's not even just up to congressional Republicans. Where's the conservative version of Alvin Bragg? Uh, no, you're right. The Manhattan DA, yeah, who is or who was the first one to indict Donald Trump. Where's that? Where where's that guy? Well, you got to stop saying we're above the fray. Where we don't play <laughs> games that way and no. all that. You have to. <laughs> The rules have changed. Right. The rules of engagement have changed, and it's time yeah. you uh, got well, caught up here. This is a, this is a street fight where everything below the belt is is uh, yeah. is available to you, yes. and you're the guy getting your crotch stomped on the sidewalk, saying, "But I am honorable. I right. took boxing classes." Stop with all that crap. <laughs> no, 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 Nobody, no, no. It's time to start throwing some dirt. All right. Yeah. It, 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 you gotta you gotta go. Do it. Absolutely, you have to. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, this is a real kick in the teeth. New York City is getting $104 million from FEMA to set up shelters for illegal immigrants. Now, why this is a kick in the teeth is this. That's the largest share of money from the new shelter services program that was created by Congress. So you have this new program that is aimed at providing shelter to people here illegally or here who are like technically legal under new administrative rules from the Biden administration because they love the open border system. And New York City is getting the lion's share of the money. <laughs> not South Texas, not Arizona. No, no, no. It's got to be New York City. Now, uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema. she used to be a Democrat but now is an independent because, well, left-wing lunatics kept chasing her into the bathroom and whatnot. Uh, she did a first responders roundtable in Arizona, uh, where she's from, and she is ticked. Just to, uh, before I play the clip, I want to give you a, a quick note. She made a little mistake. Uh, she says the Speaker of the House is from New York. She's referring to the top Democrat in the House, Hakeem Jeffries. He's the the, the House Minority Leader. Mm -hmm. The Speaker of the House is Kevin McCarthy, a Republican who's from California. But she just mixed up the titles here. Um, but her point, I think, is still. Uh, very, very valid. Here she is. My staff is going to be really upset, but I'm going to tell you the truth here. The reason the money is going to the New York is because the Speaker of the House is from New York and the Leader of the United States Senate is from New York. That is how a bunch of money went to New York. The, the money was intended, and there's language that was put in, in the law that said it should, be, it should be going for decompression at the border. So when, when I hear from folks in other parts of the country say, oh, it's hard, our shelters are overwhelmed, yeah, come live a day in the life of Yuma, Summerton, or San Luis. Just one day. So I get, I get kind of upset about yes, this, we like your as passion. you can tell. Thank you. Um, so I want you to know that I'm continuing to fight this, and I'm, I am livid that the administration is sending money to a part of the country that while it has a lot of folks showing up in their shelter, they don't have folks 
wandering the streets of our small towns and communities or facing you know, heat exhaustion, showing up without you know, basics like formula, people who come across the border with chicken pox. What we're experiencing here in Arizona is matched only by what folks are experiencing in southern Texas. Those are the two communities that are experiencing this crisis. The rest of the country is seeing some elements of it, but we are facing the brunt. Yeah. And that's all fine and good, but she, you know, supported Joe Biden. So it kind of rings a little hollow unless she's saying, I don't care if it's Donald Trump. I don't care if it's Ron DeSantis. I don't care if it's Chris Christie or anybody else. If she's not willing to go out there and say, I am going to support whoever the Republican candidate is for president in 2024, that's hollow language. That being said, at least somebody yeah. who is uh, on the left is acknowledging that there's a problem and is calling it out for the BS it is that New York is getting such preferential treatment over the communities that are directly impacted by Biden's border crisis. I think you can always regret a vote. Yeah. But I think you have to you have to telegraph that. You have to say, I regret it. Mm-hmm. And, and again, getting back to your initial, you know, um, reaction to it. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it, it, you can talk all day about this stuff. We know what's happening. Yeah. We know how awful it is in Yuma. We know how awful it is in, in, in South Texas. We know all these things, right? But the fact of the matter is it is political, and it is, uh, it is New York that's going to get the lion's share of the money. Although every city in New York advertised they were, they were open for business. Yep. Come on in, migrants. You got no problems here. Mm-hmm. Not knowing or not thinking it would ever happen to them, and then it did. Yep. Like every time I hear Eric Adams bitching about the fact that they don't have any room anymore, I'm like, well, hey, jackass, you had your hand up. Sanctuary City. We don't turn people away. We're not evil. We're not mean like those people in Texas or Arizona. Yeah. So, okay, and it happens to you, and now you're bitching that you don't have enough resources. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, again, how many bads are there, Scott? Yeah, one, two. Too bad. Too bad. Too bad. All right. I mean, too bad. And again, it's not, and I don't want to see any of the suffering going on because of it. Nobody does. But the idea is we know what causes the problem, and we refuse to solve it. Yeah. Refuse to. Yeah. Because right, wanna... it wasn't wasn't our problem. Our constituents didn't have a problem because it didn't affect them. Now it's affecting them. We'll see how the worm turns now. Oh, sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, on a lighter note, I love good news stories like this. Crime is out of control in the city of Oakland, and more and more people are arming themselves because they know no one's coming to help them. Uh, well, the other night, a couple of dudes broke into a 75-year-old woman's house and found out that, well, she had a three fifty-seven Magnum on her nightstand. Hey, now. She Whoa. fired at him. Boom! Little hand cannon action there. They <laughs> wow. fired back, ran out. Uh, KTVU talked to neighbors and the woman's daughter, and everybody is just smiling ear to ear like, yeah, I guess they're going to think twice before they start breaking into people's homes in this neighborhood. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. She had the presence of mind to reach in her nightstand and get a weapon. And she had it under the covers at first, and then when she saw an opening, she fired a shot. This woman is a hero. I can, I, I really admire her. Uh, her. She kept her wits about her. It's amazing. She is a superwoman. People in Oakland, we're tired of the lawlessness. People are standing up. People are fighting back. They're really, they're really playing with the very, with, with their lives because. All these people around here armed. <laughs> All these people got guns. Yeah, get the word out. Yeah. yeah let, let everybody know. Heck yeah. You might get aerated a little bit if you and try stop, to break into somebody's house. Stop voting for these idiots that promote this sort of behavior. Absolutely. Stop it. 
You won't yep. believe this. Coming up, CNN is back on the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff. Okay. It's amazing. We'll get to it next. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins, Jamie Markley on special assignment. He'll be back on Monday. All right, so we'll, we'll get to uh, an update or another angle to the Trump indictment in just a moment. Um, but I, 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 this just crossed my desk, and it is insane. Okay? So the Washington Post has an article out today that blames anti-gay sentiment in Middle Eastern countries on Republicans in America. I knew it. I knew it. I, I don't know how they're going to get there, but yes, I, yes, I, I, as, I saw this. Yes. As they write, across the Middle East, LGBTQ communities face a growing crackdown, echoing <laughs> efforts by prominent American conservatives to restrict the rights of gay and transgender people and erase their influence from society. Who's doing that? Yeah, I... Who's doing that? Sorry, but, but you know, a lot of these uh, uh, theocracies or theocracy light nations in the Middle East are Muslim majority. And they don't really look too kindly upon the no. gay community, and they haven't for a long time. I mean, no. it's it, it's not just a flippant saying when we talk about gays being tossed off of oh, roofs. Buildings. That actually no, happens. happens. Yeah, it does. People get but executed I mean, for being gay. Who are the Republicans that are doing this? That are saying, let's kill gay people? Yeah. Who's Nobody. doing that? Nobody's saying that. Nobody's no. saying. <laughs> yeah, to try we... to connect the dots there is ridiculous. Who? Yeah, and who's out there saying we should criminalize homosexuality in America? Nobody's saying that. No one what, is. What, what mainstream or high-profile Republican? I'm not talking about some weirdo on YouTube. I'm saying, like, what, what actual policymaker in America is saying, you know what we need to do? We need to criminalize homosexuality, and we need to make it a death penalty eligible crime. Nobody in America, and it's not like the Middle East is all, has has never been hostile towards gay people. It's absurd what's happening here. One story is mentioned here: the Turkish government uh, cracked down on a pride parade this year, but they've been doing that for the last several years, actually. The government turned water cannons on the parade starting back in 2015. By 2018, they were using rubber bullets and tear gas to stop the parades. Not a new thing. No. Has Ron DeSantis deployed tear gas <laughs> yeah. on on a pride event? No. No. The only I mean, way- all, you <laughs> know, we've talked about this before, David, but it's true. All you have to do is deviate a little bit mm-hmm. from the ideology or theology of that group, and you are deemed a a uh, homophobe, yeah, trans, whatever it is, or on par with some of the worst human rights right. abusers in the Middle East. Yes, th- you're the same person. Come on, because you don't think it's okay for a 12 year old to have their genitals mutilated. Yeah, you know, and the, the Taliban didn't want women to be covered head to toe all the time when they're in public until Roe v. Wade was overturned. That's ah! it. Yes. Dude, these, yeah. this is a mind virus, dude. What we're, what we're up against is an entire class of pundits and policymakers who are actually insane. Who actually don't, and I'm not saying that as a missive, I mean they are actually crazy because you have to be actually crazy to try to make the argument that the reason hostilities towards gay people in the Middle East exist is because Florida banned sex change operations for yeah. children. 
that, and, and removed <laughs> books from children's libraries that uh, contained, uh, you know, oral sex. Yeah, as part of the curriculum. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, and uh, Lebanon was another example, by the way, because apparently the head of Hezbollah isn't a fan of the gays and thinks gay people should be executed. Didn't talk like that, Hezbollah. Hezbollah was leading the pride parade until Ron DeSantis became governor. Yeah. Again, you have to be mentally ill to actually believe this. And it's amazing this stuff is going on right now with the Taliban because the world is watching. (laughs) Right. All this. Maybe we should try another sternly worded letter. That's right. To the Taliban. Hey, Uh knock it off, huh? Yeah. Well, what was pointed out in the article that I read in, at Hot Air reacting to this was, you know, they didn't mention Palestine, uh, which criminalizes homosexuality as well. Uh-huh. But the Palestinians are the good guys because they're anti-Semites and they hate uh, uh, Israel. That's the right. left's position. They hate yes. the Jews and think that uh, Jewish people don't deserve any sort of homeland in the Middle East. And so, yeah, we'll we'll overlook the blatant homophobia of the Palestinian Authority and in an effort to try to, what, own conservatives in America. It's just dumb. Um, All right, so the media, meanwhile, desperately wants cameras in the courtroom whenever Donald Trump goes to trial over the latest indictment, which the latest indictment, as we talked about, has to do with his claims of voter fraud in the 2020 election. And all of this really proves the simple premise of what this really is about. It's not about justice. It's not about anything. It's about the public ritualistic humiliation of Donald Trump. Yep. That's what they want. So they want the cameras out there. They want the cameras in the courtroom. And currently, uh, federal courtrooms don't allow cameras. Um, Ellie Honig on CNN is demanding cameras in the courtroom. We must see Donald Trump suffer right now. I'm putting the pressure on. Like, let me use. I don't use this platform to, to uh, you know, get on the soapbox. But Shut this up. has to be covered I in a that. modern, transparent fashion. It w- just, just a question. Just a yeah. quick side note about using your platform here. Yeah. More people just heard his voice on this program than they did on CNN. That's true. Yeah, that, that's a fact, and it's we really have the not receipts even close. on that too. By the way, yeah, I'm not so, not really trying to just pat myself on the back. It's no, more no, just, but you're right. No, you're it's right. more just to make fun of this guy. Like, I'm going to use my platform to pressure. Yeah. A federal judge to do what I want. It'd be ludicrous. Yes. Trial of century, that you're, is not You're not saying that just from a TV standpoint. Of <laughs> no, actually, I'm glad you... I'm glad you Q score no. way up. <laughs> I, I am saying that, yes, from a TV standpoint, but the American people have to see this. The American people cannot be seeing... If, if we don't have cameras in the courtroom, here's what we're going to have. Yeah. We're going to have young reporters running in and out of that courtroom, texting us, trying to recount what happens. Two or three hours at the end of ever, after the end of every trial day, we'll get a 300-page transcript that some court reporter typed up, and we'll get sketch drawings. It's not 1918 here. <laughs> it's 2023. We need to get with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll have these young and experienced reporters. Well, all right, champ, you go in there. Yeah. I mean, what? I, that's what I, that, that's the other part of this. Like, okay, you, you can also go in there and... Sure. And cover the trial if you can't trust it to the little kids who, who don't know what's going on. But I, but again, it's about making as much of a show out of this as possible to humiliate Donald Trump. Um, it's not about any sort of sense of justice or trying to rectify a wrongdoing. It's they don't like him. Orange man, bad. He's guilty of something. And therefore, uh, he must be taken down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And, and it, it is frustrating. And personally, I don't really have a problem one way or the other with uh, with having cameras in the courtroom. I'm, I'm fairly neutral on it, even if I'm conflicted. Yeah, this isn't up to us, though. No, it's not up to us. Yeah, and, it's not and, up to us. Nobody cares what we think. No. No, it's that's that's the law, and that's the way it's done. Yeah, it is just the way it's done. So, so jack wagons like him can get on and whine about, you know, <laughs> right, exactly. cub reporters in there. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, it's that time of the show. We go around the table and talk about a story that caught your eye. May not be the biggest story of the day, but the story you wanted to share. It's called What's Your Story? Scott, what's your story today? Well, uh, not entirely sure what NBC's uh, senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell thought was so important yesterday about Donald Trump, but she did point it out to the rest of us. Kelly tweeted out... <laughs> Oh, gosh. A clear sign. He is not president anymore. Despite all the motorcades and perks, his plane has to wait 10 taxi. Air Force One gets immediate clearance. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. These people are so stupid. Pretty sure we're all well aware that he's yeah, not president anymore. Yeah, what a complete anymore. loser. He owns his own 757. Damn him. <laughs> he has to wait a few minutes before takeoff. Can you hear yourself at all, Kelly O'Donnell? Do you no, hear what you're saying? It's every angle. These are broken people. So They are. Does your plane you're on, Kelly, have to taxi? <laughs> huh? Does it? Air Force One gets immediate takeoff. Well, you got him on that one. Ouch, yeah, that yeah. hurt. Darn. <laughs> Darn Jeez. the Golly. Can't believe it. Man. That's unreal. You know, until I heard that, I thought Donald Trump was still president. Yeah, yeah. Huh. who knew, Weird. right? I, yeah. I had no idea. He has to wait to taxi? What? Well, well, that must mean he's not president anymore. Jesus, he lost some power. Yes. <laughs> Golly, you know, Jeez, it's man. not like Elvis out there, you know, carting out right. his own amps. <laughs> right, I know. It's, yeah, right. Golly. All right, uh, it's what's your story. Uh, story that caught your eye may not be the biggest story of the day, but we like to go around and, and share. This story caught my eye. Uh, it's summer, of course. We've heard how hot it's been. There have been heat waves all over the country and whatnot. Uh, so apparently... It's been so hot this summer that some watermelons are turning into deadly ticking time bombs. Oh, they're blowing up. Yeah, the heat. Yeah, yes. So how this works is the heat causes the fruit inside to ferment. And if that happens, you'll see frothy foam bubbling out of the watermelon. Basically, it's a combination of bacteria, the fruit's natural sugars, and above average temperatures, both where they grow and where they're being stored. So it kind of ferments, essentially. Mm-hmm. Light gets becoming alcoholic, but it's not. It's dangerous. You, you, it can kill you if you eat it. Uh, and also, it you know can explode. Apparently, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If this is just like uh, this isn't some sort of like ghost Gallagher bit. I mean, it's, no. I, but I, I wonder what it looks like when it explodes. Does it actually just go? I put a watermelon in the building. <laughs> you have thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, TSA isn't going to allow you to carry that watermelon, watermelon on anymore. On the plane. Yeah, it could be a terrorist device. Jeez, you man. Never know. Wow, man. I, I just thought that was a crazy story. I've, I've never heard of exploding watermelons before. I mean, you have, you have like, with grapes, mm-hmm. if you place it. Like, I did a science fair experiment one time, I mean, seriously, with, like, uh, alcohol. And I put grape juice, old old grape juice that I have found canned in my grandmother's yeah. basement in a bottle. And the cork blew off of it because it had fermented. Yeah. 
Which yeah. was I was kind of hoping it would because you're 14 and want to have a little drink, drinky poo. No, but I mean, but I, I you understand it with watermelon. I mean, they do. They, I mean, I've never seen it happen personally, mm-hmm. but man, I'd like to. I, I, my, my brother, uh, when he was in college, uh, getting his undergrad, roomed with a guy who had been to prison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing like violent. That in of itself like that. is a great story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd been to prison. And uh, my brother was really interested in learning how to make prison wine. So in one of the closets in their little apartment, they had a jug of, like, grape juice that was fermenting or whatever. And I would never in a million years have drunk that. Ever. No. But, yeah, uh, I I think the the review was a complicated bouquet. But if you're (laughs) desperate enough, it will get you intoxicated. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're locked up, you can't go down to the liquor store, you know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Toilet wine. You got to do what you do. There's a reason they don't sell that at the liquor store. (laughs) Right. In an old plastic bag. (laughs) All right, we got a news update on the way. Uh, Dianne Feinstein's daughter has power of attorney, but she's still in the Senate. Unreal. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. He'll be back on Monday. Uh, well, I mean, we've, we've been talking about this for a while. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who's old and sick and senile. I mean, that literally, I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, colleagues and people who work for her who have said that she is not with it. Like, she can't remember people's names. She can't remember well, what she was talking about. We just saw that with a vote on the floor. Yeah, where she was they just supposed told to told her what to do. Yeah. yeah, and she started into some dissertation. And, yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And they said, just Stop say Stop the I. rambling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, apparently her daughter now is exercising power of attorney over her uh, finances. So there's been this. Uh, she has one biological daughter. There are a few stepchildren, I believe, like three. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think. Uh, stepchildren. Um and uh, there's some bitter property dispute, a, a house, a piece of property that uh, Diane wants to sell and uh, the other kids don't or something. And so right now her daughter is exercising her legal authority to make financial decisions on behalf of her mother. Yes. And yet she herself, Diane Feinstein herself, is allowed to make decisions uh, on behalf of Californians. That's a problem, man. It, it, well, <laughs> yeah. You you gotta. Yeah. She's gotta go. I I know that they're they're trying to just basically run out the clock on her. I know she's not seeking re-election next year, so they're saying, well, she's going to be out of office anyway. Uh, it is it is just really sad what what Democrats do to people when they are obviously not able to do the job. It's like, well, she'll be a reliable vote. We'll tell her how to vote, and that's fine. Whatever doesn't really matter. And what they're really sending. The message that they're really sending is it doesn't matter who you elect because everybody else makes decisions anyway. They just vote the way that we tell them to vote. So, yeah, if we need to do Weekend at Bernie's with her, then we'll do Weekend at Bernie's with her. But they are doing it. Yeah. And they are doing it. Yeah, yeah they're wheeling her in, man. Yeah. It is, uh, the, the whole thing, the more you pay attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C., the more you feel like there aren't enough showers in the world to clean off the filth. That gets on you. I need to ask you, too, just really seriously, what other job on the planet? I mean, what other job, period, no matter what it is, could Dianne Feinstein apply for and get today? None. Other there than the none. one she has. No, there, there are, are none. none. 
They're none. No. And that's no fault of hers. Well, I mean, she's 90 years old, man. Yeah. She's the, the fact. I mean, what job could John Fetterman get? Not not many. I mean, what, I mean it'd be tough. Th- this, this is where we are. Yeah. They can represent the constituency, but they can't work at a bowling alley. Yeah. I mean, th- <laughs> right. it's it's insanity. Yeah. M- meanwhile, uh, another lawmaker, not not senile like Joe and not senile like Dianne Feinstein, but certainly sometimes comes across that way, is Vice President Kamala Harris. Oh, she's just, that's just dense. Yeah. Got some new audio from Vice President Kamala Harris, and it has to do with roads and bridges and the well, detrimental effects that they have on your tires. You no, I have this? not heard this. All right, here we when go. When was this? Th- this is fresh audio. Oh, my gosh. Okay. People are tired of being required to travel over potholes and bridges that are breaking down. And it's expensive when you when all your tires, you know, when you lose your your, your tires are ended up being flat because of those roads and bridges. People... Yeah, I don't have these are these are people who haven't driven themselves in years. Never. So, I mean, listen to her talk about it. It's yeah. awkward for her even to talk about yeah. it. I mean, yeah, like potholes and, and flat tires, and that's what you people are worried about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the Markley Van Tire Van. Lobby. This yeah. is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley is on special assignment. He'll be back on Monday. Congratulations. We all made it to Friday. Uh, So after being arraigned yesterday in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump gave a quick statement, which included in part, you know, in addition to saying this is a persecution and all that, which is all true. He actually slid in a little slam of what Democrats have done to Washington, D.C., uh, and I thought yeah. this was uh, this kind of came out of left field. It was it, like off off topic a it, little bit. It did, yeah. but I guess he yeah. had driven through the town and said, "Man, this this place sucks now. It's a dump. It's just a dump." This is a very sad day for America, and it was also very sad driving through Washington D.C. and seeing the filth and the decay and all of the broken buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Washington, D.C. hasn't had its problems in the past. No. With crime and poverty mm-hmm. and, and all of that when you've got some of the richest people in the world concentrated in the district as well. It's it's, it's really a shame uh, what's happened there. But it's gotten substantially worse obviously since 2020. And, and you know, the city council seems hell-bent on making it even worse by trying to pass a crime bill that makes a lot of crime basically legal. Congress actually had to step in and intervene and say, "No, you can't. No, we're not. We're not going to do this." Because right. even though all these Democrats will say, "Yes, DC needs to be a state," they also have to work in DC and they don't want to get carjacked. No, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, however, that statement on the part of the former president got CNN's Anderson Cooper's panties in a twist. He was very upset. How dare you, Mr. President, 
We should point out that when the former president left office and left Washington, D.C., the city was on lockdown because of the uh, attack on January 6th. Um, that is the city he left behind. You know, I well, let's talk to uh, family members of those who've been murdered in Washington, D.C., or the victims of like 13-year-old carjackers and ask them how much they care about the Capitol riot. Well, can you stay on topic and stop flogging that dead horse? Yeah. Anytime you drag that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you dra- <laughs> Trump said what's obvious to everyone who goes there. Right. Okay, he said it out loud. Now, you can debate w- whether it was appropriate for him to say it or not. That's fine. But you got to drag that January 6th horse out mm-hmm. there and just keep beating it. Yeah. Golly, you got anything else? Really? Uh, no. No. And, 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 yeah, again, it's... You know, he makes this sort of casual aside, like, man, this is terrible what what Democrats have done to this city. And, you know, for all these people who complain about what about ism? I mean, that was the ultimate what about ism. Right. right. Well, what about yes. the riot at the Capitol? OK. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what, what, what about the fact that you got like 11 year olds carjacking people? I mean, that, that's that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? I, Sanity. Yeah. Uh, but you got you got to try to get your digs in whenever you can, I guess. Uh, also, on the topic of the arraignment, uh, Biden's former press secretary, Jen Psaki, who is now a talking head and show host on MSNBC, <laughs> revolving door, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's going to get to the bottom of things. Uh, she really gave away the game when it comes to what all these indictments really are against Donald Trump. It's a public humiliation of a guy the professional political class doesn't like. That's what's happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here is Jen Psaki basically gloating about the fact that, well, her former boss's top opponent in 2024 is facing so many legal charges. And I think there was this expectation that it would be a circus, or I had that expectation. It really wasn't outside of the courthouse, a circus. And that speaks to how much things have changed in some ways over Mm. the last couple of years for the good, in part, I think, because of the efforts by the Department of Justice to go after the Oath Keepers and disincentivize this type of gathering. But the other thing that struck me, Chris, is that as much... Disincentivize is a good way of saying locking up political prisoners. But anyway, (laughs) much as we didn't see in the courtroom, and as you noted in your opening, there were a lot of developments that came out of it that I think were surprising. I mean, Trump was treated like a teenage, a teenager in some ways, not a 77-year-old former president. Uh, But also that um, just listening, he seemed smaller in some ways to me. Yep, that's what they want. I mean, there's. I'm glad there wasn't a huge presence outside of the courthouse, and I think it's because enough people realize, oh, my gosh, if one person gets out of hand, we're all going to prison. They're going to jail. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in that case, when they say to dissuade Oath Keepers and whatnot, no, man, you, 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 the government, the Biden administration has really made it very clear that they will not tolerate dissent. And if you dissent, they will figure out a way to make your life a living hell. So it's it's not like yeah. oh, Trump is small and all this stuff, whatever. But but again, the, the whole game here is the ritual humiliation of Donald Trump. That's what they want. Uh, that's the only way that they can see moving forward here. Uh, meanwhile, Vice President Kamala Harris does a good job of humiliating herself. She did an event with the Prime Minister of uh, Mongolia, and. <laughs> 
she did really, the RCA, he did the RCA dog on her too. He cocked his head yeah. and looked at her like, "What?" Well, he really, what? Uh, she really loves the phrase "space cooperation." Three times in thirty seconds, correct? Yep. Am yep. I right about that? Okay, all right. We will Count discuss the work that we will do together to strengthen our space cooperation. You and I spoke briefly about the beginning of the next era, and for you, what that means in terms of your leadership and your vision for the future, and certainly strengthening our space cooperation would be a part of that agenda, including, of course, using our space cooperation to think Great. about how we strengthen the economic prosperity and development of our nations. Okay. Go ahead. The floor is yours. I, I mean, again, again, it, it reads left or right. It's English. The words individually you would understand. But you put all of this together and you string it out for 30 seconds like her and it becomes perfect McGurkin. And for those of you who are new to the show, McGurkin is English. It reads left to right. But when all cobbled together, you have no idea what the person just said. And it's not you. They want you to think it's you. That you're not smart enough to know what it is they're saying, right? right. Gee, if I was smarter, I could probably figure this out. Right. It doesn't. It's meaningless. Mm-hmm. None of that makes any sense. No. It's a garbled together, strong words strung together that sound important while they're being said, although they're not. Because they don't make any sense. She thinks every single thing she says is going to end up at a poster at Successories. <laughs> every, every single thing she thinks is going to be a motivational poster at Successories. Right. Clueless. Again, I, I still maintain the best way to acknowledge or take in a statement from Kamala Harris is to look at it like you just found a Rubik's Cube made out of peanut butter. <laughs> and just don't try to solve it. Don't don't get your hands messy. Just no. Just say, oh, my gosh, that's a... That's a Rubik's cube made out of peanut butter. Yes, and then move on. That, you can't. You will. <laughs> you will beating your head against the wall. And this guy, this Mongolian guy, <laughs> minister of whatever, is looking at her like, "This is the second in command in your country." Yes. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> they're over there saying we're screwed if China starts we're messing totally around. We're totally screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile. This is a crazy story out of central Pennsylvania. A dude named John Swartz was outside his house filling up a kiddie pool for his grandchild. He went to turn off the water in his garage and uh, startled a black bear that was going through his trash. Oh, good. He's got a couple of outdoor cats, and they're all just kind of sitting around watching the bear. (laughs) And the bear takes a swipe at him. At the cats? No, no, no. The bear takes a swipe at the guy. Oh, jeez. And gets him uh, on the top of the head. Oh. Apparently bit him on the top of the head, oh. but not enough to where he he had life threatening injuries. He was able to escape and get away. It was just a it was a defensive reflex on the part of the bear because wow. it got startled, and so it just went whoom. And in the video, you can see him like just sort of spill over into the yard and then run back into his house. Yeah, and there's dang. a photo of the top of his head where it looks like I don't know if it's soap or if it's saliva. That's in his hair next to a big gash in his head. Now, he did an interview. He, uh, yeah, he, the bear hit him, scampered off. Uh, John lived, and he talked about it uh, with Fox 56 TV. Um, and he, he says he doesn't want the bear to be put down if they trap it. Right. He's like, okay. no, that bear's just doing bear stuff. And here, here's what he said about the ordeal. Whenever this wants to play. 
I'm glad it's your equipment this time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, not mine. That's good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, we'll we'll try to pull that audio up here as soon as my computer I, starts to cooperate with. I me. will say, I am advocate. I always have been an advocate of common sense bear laws. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't know. Those bears have a right to bear arms, right? You just, yeah. <laughs> Or the arm bears. <laughs> <laughs> Do you imagine that though? It's like middle of the night, and no, or not middle of the night, I guess. But it's in the evening. You're you're just kind of going around doing filling up a kiddie pool for your granddaughter. Oh god! You get into the garage, and there's this giant, you know, 500 pound bear in there, and it just pops out to say hello. Holy so, smokes! Yeah, we'll we'll get to that audio in just a minute here. Uh, as we try, you should to always keep a here. ham sandwich in your back pocket just in case, <laughs> just to distract from it. <laughs> you're right, throw it out there. <laughs> All right, uh, we got a news update on the way. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Mark Lee is on special assignment. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, so Multnomah County, that's where, for those who are unfamiliar, that's where uh, Portland, Oregon is. Uh, that, that's the county in which that city resides. Yes. Um, they reportedly lost more than a billion dollars in income between 2020 and 2021 because residents were fleeing the state and Multnomah County in, in particular. You know why? No. Well, surging crime, homelessness, and safety concerns. Uh, Oregon Live did a data, a data analysis. 14,000 tax filers and their dependents left Multnomah County during the first year of the pandemic in 2020 and took a record $1 billion of income with them. Jeez. The data showed that higher earners were more likely to leave because their jobs could be done remotely during the shutdowns, and the average income of people leaving was 14% higher than the people who left the year before. And that reverses a trend that had 15 years 15 straight years of growth. What progressives have done to that area should be criminal. They have purposefully driven that area into the ditch. Multnomah County, by the way, the health department was the, that, that's the same one, the same government entity that wanted to give out tin foil to make it easier to smoke fentanyl yeah. to drug addicts. Yeah. At every turn, policymakers there want to make it easier to be a criminal, to break laws out of this idea of some sort of justice for people. And, and look, the, the people who are, are addicted to drugs, they need help. And sometimes that help comes in the form of a jail cell, sorry to say. You know, again, I mean, I challenge, I challenge those people. Show me one metropolitan city in this country that's run by these liberal nut jobs yeah. that's doing better right i mean again look at the metrics i mean which city is prosper is prospering because of this no none of them are there isn't one and they run people out that would normally vote against them so they won't have any opposition mm -hmm. they can keep running and dragging these things down into a pit yeah. i i do like how it's framed as well because of the coronavirus shutdowns of course. Yeah, it didn't have anything to do with the fact that you had over 100 straight days of rioting in yeah. downtown Portland that we were told was it. a right-wing myth or whatever. Yeah, I mean, just, just acknowledge what the problem You can't fix it until you figure out what it is. No. And it's not hard to figure out. Right. People vote with their feet in their wallets. Yeah. That's what they do. It's and quicker if they're able and more to, effective. That, 
And if they're unable to, then they're left in in abject, crime-ridden cities. Yeah. Because they can't get out. Yep. I mean, it's just... It's sad. Sickening. It's, it's really sad. sad. It's really sad. It's happened. But... And it's fixable. That's the thing. It's fixable. Yeah. I mean, it'll take a long time. Not easily, but it's yeah. fixable. You can you can turn it around. It'll Yeah, it'll, it'll take a long time. I mean, yep. I, I just go back and I think about the mayor of Portland, uh, Ted Wheeler, talking about uh, how Trump was a big meanie because he wanted to send federal agents to Portland to crack down on rioting. And I'm like, dude, you got people firebombing a federal courthouse. You got people trying to burn down a police building where there are people inside, including inmates. Right. One of the big jobs is to keep your constituents safe. That's one of the big jobs. And there wasn't really much of a crackdown until somebody tried to set up an autonomous zone outside of his condo. Yeah, in your condo. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's it's pathetic. Again, when man. it comes to your place, then all of a sudden you yeah. recognize. Never had to happen. No, didn't it have didn't. to be this way. It's so Absolutely sad. Absolutely not. All right, I mentioned this and had a little issue with the audio, uh, but this guy in central Pennsylvania, name is John Swartz, he was outside his house. He's filling up a kiddie pool for his granddaughter, and he goes into the garage to try to turn off the water, and boom, there's a black bear there. Yikes. Holy mackerel. What do you do in that situation? Well, he got he got tagged by the bear. Bear got yeah. him. Um, but he was able to run away, and he lived, and he talked to uh, Fox 56 TV uh, about the ordeal. I think this is just – he's got a pretty calm demeanor for a dude who just got bodied by a black bear, man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. felt the impact of uh, something hitting me, <laughs> and it was very quick and loud. Head hurt, and it knocked me against the wall, and uh, little did we know till we received the video as to – what happened outside. I didn't even realize I fell over the bear <laughs> and uh, continued on the sidewalk holding my head and, uh, uh, of course, continued into the house to uh, retrieve a washcloth to, you know, get on my head. I knew I had injuries and blood coming down. Very understandable as why the bear did what it did and because and, I surprised it and it's it didn't. It surprised you. <laughs> it had a one-way one way out and it was through me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was through me and... Unlike, according to you, Gov, 8% of American men, I know I can't fight a full-grown bear. <laughs> and, and. Uh, what's the percentage again? Remember, there, uh, you, Gov, yeah. did it, and it was yeah. 8% of men believed, they could. believed that they could fight yeah. a bear yeah, okay. hand-to-hand combat and, yeah. and succeed. Okay. Yeah, that, uh, there are 8% of men who are completely delusional. This is yeah. the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. Biggest story of the day to me is you've got uh, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's uh, former business partner, who is confirming to Tucker Carlson that, well, yeah, Joe Biden knew about what was going on in the business. Of course he did. He knew me (laughs) and I was in business with his son. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So the central question that I think every reporter should be asking anybody associated with this White House is why did Joe Biden say that he never had a conversation about business with his son. We know that's not true. No. Why did he do that? What was he hiding? What else is he hiding? We'll get to uh, some details on that and much more. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins, Jamie Markley on special assignment. He'll be back on Monday. So, to me, one of the biggest stories is uh, Tucker Carlson dropping more uh, bits from his interview with Devin Archer. This is a longtime friend. 
and business partner of Hunter Biden, who has confirmed now that, yeah, Joe Biden was in on some of these meetings. And, yeah, he talked about the business with his with 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 Hunter. Of course he did. Yep. And this is something that as we are going through the transcript of Devin Archer's testimony from earlier this week in front of uh, House members where he says, well, yeah, I mean, he was in on this meeting. He was in on that meeting. One of them with a Verisma official who, when when that story initially broke in 2020, the Biden campaign denied. They said, we looked at his schedule. He wasn't there. Well, no, he was actually there. And the central question to me is, why would Joe Biden lie about this? And we all know why. It's because he, he was getting a cut of the action. Come well, on. of course. He's not going to admit to it. No. There's no other reason for it. So hmm. Hunter, or I'm sorry, uh, Tucker... Uh, Carlson uh, asked him, Devin Archer, about this whole weird arrangement, that this claim that Joe Biden never had any sort of conversation about business with his son. There's no corruption here at all. This is totally normal. Joe Biden had no role whatsoever in uh, in his son's business or knowledge of it. But right. How would I mean, that seems false. Yeah, I, th- I think that, yeah, I think that's that's categorically false. I think that what what the. He was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that that illustrates that he knew me. And I he's thanking you. <laughs> he's thanking you for so, his efforts. So I think that was, for, yeah, I think your efforts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that a, that's a, um, you know, that's that's not factually right. Right. So then, why do you lie about it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Why, why isn't anybody really going to be hammering that question home? I, I hope somebody does. Now, the White House has been surprisingly quiet, but I think it's because of the Trump indictment and all of that. Mm-hmm. They're just hoping that that completely uh, overshadows any sort of allegation against the guy who's currently president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Biden's old press secretary, who's now an MSNBC host, Jen Psaki, she wants you to know there's no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong with Hunter Biden. I mean, well, except, sure there is. Except for, you know, <laughs> right. this like yeah, right. pile of LLCs, right. witness testimony, whistleblower Big guy testimony. Sitting next to me. Yeah. yeah. Hunter Biden's own words. Right. Exactly. No evidence here. No. Yeah, right. They keep saying this. So Jen Psaki was on a panel on MSNBC talking about this controversy. And they're saying, you know what, this is all just, this has been debunked. You know, it's been debunked. Come on. They're also trying to tie in Hunter Biden with President Biden, not just Biden. Of uh, of course they are. And there's no evidence of that. But they're going to keep trying because that is the argument that they they want to fuzzy the waters out there, muddy the waters, not fuzzy them, muddy the waters out there. That, by the way, is a tactic that Vladimir Putin and other authoritarian dictators use. But that's their strategic objective, to make it all seem the same. So it's you're 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 channeling an authoritarian dictator when you say, "Hey, what was Joe Biden's role in Hunter Biden's business?" which actually included the wife of the uh, former mayor of Moscow. Yeah. So you want to talk about a Russian connection? Come on, man. <laughs> but this is what they do. It's this is one of the reasons why it's so upsetting when a, when a cable uh outlet or any news outlet hires a former political operative to be an actual host to be a news right. analyst not as oh i'm going to he- i'm going to be here speaking on behalf of the president you know if you want to be a commentator i suppose that's fine but they're they're making her into an anchor into an actual person who's giving the news 
and well, she's and lying. That's, that's that's the fundamental difference here. Yeah, I mean, again, if you come on as a partisan hack, I mean, it's a little hard to put that on the Chiron under your name. Yeah, but uh, you know, but but if that but if that's who you are, that's okay. Yeah, but just stop pretending that you're anything other than that because right. that's what you are. Yeah, yeah. But that's of, the thing that irritates me. But of course, the focus has to be you know all on Donald Trump, orange man bad, because this indictment came down and. We got all these people out there giving these uh, 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 odd declarations that if Donald Trump isn't convicted, it's the end of America as we know it. You're John Bolton, uh, former national security advisor under Donald Trump, says Trump has to be convicted of the charges against him or he'll become president. Again, this is John Bolton speaking on uh, CNN, okay. talking about Trump right. being indicted. I think it's the right thing to do, but it is a modified form of Russian roulette. Uh, if Trump is convicted in one or both of the federal cases, I think that will turn things upside down. I think he could be denied the Republican nomination. He'd certainly lose the election. But if he is acquitted uh, or a hung jury uh, results, which I think would be understood by most people as being the equivalent of acquittal, uh, I think he would get the Republican nomination, and he could quite possibly win the election on the back of that. The risk is real, and I hear the exuberance. I've heard it the last 24 hours, and everybody, you know, look, the impeachment efforts against Trump failed twice to convict him. And what, it, what was the consequence of the failure? Emboldening, emboldening and empowering Trump. Uh, uh, acquittals here would be even more devastating. I mean, I guess as a piece of analysis, I'd say certainly, I mean, if the cases get thrown out, yeah, he's got a much better shot at winning the election. And I think it is true if he's convicted, he has no chance at at winning the election. No, no, of course not. And and that's really the goal here. Um, My fear is that because there is such a flood the zone attitude from various prosecutors going after him, eventually one of these charges will stick. I mean, they're going to get him on something. And I know sometimes when I say that, people get upset. Like, are you saying that it's a, that it's a, a warranted or whatever? No, I don't, I don't think any other politician would be going through this other than Donald Trump. And it's because they have spent years bitter about the fact that he won the presidency to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, again, talk to the January 6th prisoners, uh, the people who've been convicted of, like, trespassing and whatnot. Uh, the folks that have been held in solitary confinement for trespassing, for sa- taking selfies in the Capitol. Um, if the federal government wants you behind bars, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Or at the very least, make your life a living hell for years. So I, I think eventually one of these, one of the charges probably will stick if it goes to trial. Trump's best bet is that if somehow they can make some sort of process protest and get out of it. But in D.C., that's not going to happen. I was just going to say, you're in the wrong place. Right. In D.C., that's not going to happen. Maybe in Florida. Maybe. I mean, there was but, already some sort of, it wasn't a big deal, but it was it was mentioned that the judge didn't refer to him as Mr. President. No. And apparently he got mad about that. Right. She referred to him as Mr. Trump. Yeah. So was that a backhanded slap in the face? Yeah, probably. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. I mean, you could think that. I mean, you're already seeing it. Nothing's happened yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, of course, I, this is going to be, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's tainted. Yeah, he's been talking about trying to move the trial to West yeah. Virginia, mm-hmm. and it, it's probably not going to happen. Honestly, I, 
I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but Trump's best bet is really to delay this trial as as long as possible until after the election in 2024. And it seems like the judge all of a sudden now in this case wants this thing like tomorrow. Yeah. They well they yeah, of course they want to get this done. I mean, they, they want to get it done right now. Yeah. And we'll we'll see what happens moving forward, but again, we all know what this is. It's the the ritualistic humiliation of a guy that the permanent political class doesn't like. Um and it's a shame. It's a real shame that this is happening in this country. Uh meanwhile, Talk about a shame that this is happening, uh, not in this country, but to our neighbor to the north. Uh, There's a university professor has claimed that kids should see exposed uh, adult genitalia to prepare them for the possibility of seeing a naked trans person. Okay, again, I know we say it a lot. Sometimes it's hyperbole. But this is probably the sickest thing I've heard in a while. Yeah, so. And I hear a lot of sick stuff. So anyway, go ahead. This is uh, journalism uh, professor Dr. Katja Tim made this comment in a Twitter post that she shared criticizing uh, Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines, the former uh, University of Kentucky swimmer who has been very outspoken about the unfair advantage that uh, biological men have when they decide to start competing against the women. Uh, Now, she teaches at this doctor, teaches at the University of British Columbia, and uh, has tweeted a video of Gaines explaining the effects of having to compete against Leah Thomas, the dude who said he was a woman. Uh, In a lengthy response to the video, uh, she tweeted, Hey, want to know one of my all-time excellent parenting ideas? And then for emphasis after every word, she, she puts a period in there. Let the, I'm quoting her. Okay, I don't misunderstand. Okay, because I I think this is abhorrent. But what what she says is, quote, let little children see penises and vulvas of various ages and sizes in a casual, normalized, totally safe way. Uh, no, the world will thank you for it, and so will those children when they grow up. No, no. Okay, you're. You, you're yeah. a nut. At that at that point, you're pro pedophile. You're you're that, a nut. Yeah, you, that's really what it is. No, you yeah. cannot have a normalization of adults exposing themselves to children because all you're doing is opening the door for pedophiles to do it and say, "Well, it's normal. I'm preparing them for the world. Their parents no. will thank me." No, I, th- this stuff is so dark, man. It it just it's going off the deep end in a really big way. And, and I would like you to explain yourself further. What do you mean by that? Yeah, why why do you want grown people to be why do you want adults to be, you know, flapping their hardware in front of little kids? That yeah, seems why odd. why would you want that? Oh, because I mean, because she's pro pedophile. I mean, already the shelf life of a child is so short now. Yeah. I mean it really is. And you think you want to take that away from us now. <laughs> You're sick, man. Yeah. Totally sick. Something wrong with you. But this is nothing new with leftists in 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 uh, in the university level. I think it's just starting to become more popularized after being beaten back a few decades ago. And I've told this story before, um, where in Germany after World War II, uh, there were uh, many lawmakers in Germany who wanted to distance themselves as much as possible from. Nazi ideology for obvious reasons. Obviously, yeah, they wanted sure. to get. Yeah, they're trying to rebuild their country. Mm-hmm. They're trying to put the pieces back together and literally rebuilding their country, uh, as well as trying to figure out a way forward 
in the aftermath of World War II. Yes. And so what, one of the things they did was they turned to the academics to show them the way because, well, the academics were not these evil fascists. They had all these progressive ideas. And one of the ideas that they had was based off of research that was done in the 60s and maybe starting in the late 50s. But I know in the 60s and 70s it really started to, to catch on. One of the things that German lawmakers decided to do at the request of academics was with their foster system, which was in shambles. And obviously there were a lot of kids who had lost parents in World War II and whatnot. So they tried to figure out, okay, how can we place kids in responsible homes and whatnot? And the suggestion was actually to try out placing foster kids in the care of pedophiles, of actual pedophiles. The theory being, from high-minded academics, the theory being that because these pedophiles might love them, they would not abuse them. Well, then, years down the road, uh, and this was written up, I don't, I, I always forget which, which magazine it was. It wasn't, it was like the New Yorker or New York Magazine. I, I can't remember which one it was that detailed all of this. It's, it's just an incredible read um, uh, to, to watch this. And, and, of course, a lot of kids are speaking out. Yeah, that ruined my childhood. Of course. And, of course, there was abuse. That went on because you put me in the care of somebody who was actually a pedophile. Right. And then, you know, people started pulling back because they're like, well, you know, maybe, maybe that wasn't such a good idea uh, to do that. Oh, gosh. I mean, I know anyone with common sense could have told you that. But academics told us the experts told us that this was a good idea. Good and, golly. And now this same type of ideology, this sort of like weird sexual liberation thing is rearing its ugly head again in the Western world, whether it's America, Canada or Europe. And boy, it it it, it is shocking, um, and we got to be prepared to fight against it. No, oh, I agree, because this can't happen. This cannot be normalized. Whether it's the idea that you should be having, you know, adults expose themselves to children, or have a dude in a g-string dancing in front of little kids at a drag show or at the library or whatever, we have to push back against that. Because if yeah, we don't, bad things really happen. Let's gather a bunch of little kids and just yell at them for an hour so they be prepared for the workforce. <laughs> or in some cases, marriage. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All yeah. right. Uh, okay, We oh, we got a news update on the way. Also, I really want to get to this. Um, someone asked Gen Zers and millennials to list, uh, list things that older generations got right. Or boomer complaints they actually agree with, and there are some favorites here. And I think I agree with most, if not all of them. We'll get to that and set you up for the Friday Five coming up on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I mentioned this. Someone asked Gen Zers and millennials to list things that older generations got right or that or boomer complaints that they totally agree with. Mm-hmm. few of the favorites here. Uh, physical knobs, buttons, and dials are great. Not everything needs to be a touchscreen. I completely agree with that. I, in fact, like in, in at least in professional terms, I don't ever want to use touchscreens again. I've used those in radio. It sucks. I don't I like them either. Want. What's that? I don't like them either. I, no. don't, I don't like them. No, and I, and I, I really... don't like them at the bank ATM. I don't like no. them. No, yeah, the the buttons are good. Buttons are fine. They worked for a long time. They're it's yeah, it's, it's all right. 
I don't I don't ever want them in my car. I, I know that I probably will not get a choice at some point when my truck finally fact, dies. But. I don't know I don't know what Fauci is uh, is financing right now <laughs> in some lab somewhere that could end up on the touch screen. <laughs> you know? Right. Who right. knows with these yeah. guys? Uh, things should start on time, specifically concerts. There's not yes. enough parking. Uh, pets shouldn't be allowed in stores. Uh, I don't well, really mind that one, but I don't care whatever. either. Yeah. Uh, you don't have, or you shouldn't have to download an app for everything. And my favorite, give me a menu. I don't want to scan a QR code. I don't either. Yeah, damn like man. That. All right, we got the Friday Five coming up here. Uh, we'll explain why uh, on the other end of the break. But uh, we're doing songs with "Run" or "Running" in the title. Run or running? Yes. Oh, the number wow. a lot is of good stuff. 210-619-2053. 210-619-2053. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment, but that doesn't mean the fun on Friday stops. All right. We got the Friday Five now, and it always starts off like this. The countdown is on. You know what this means? It's our favorite time of the week. The Friday Five. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. On the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, it's the Friday Five. It's time when we take a break from the news of the day and we do a little music countdown. Uh, some sort of holiday, something in the news. Maybe we try to do a tie-in and we create a list out of it. Now, it is uh, apparently National Go for a Jog Month which when it's hot as hell outside, I'm not really sure how wise that might be. Maybe the indoor treadmill might be uh, wiser, but uh, or at least start off early in the day if you can. Uh, so we decided let's do songs with run or running in the title. There you go. Run or running in the title. And how do we put this list together? Well, there's three criteria. One, how big of a hit is the song? Two, does it stand the test of time? And then three, how much do you personally like it? There yeah. you personal stereo that thing, right? And so then we add up the scores, and we come up with a list. And this is a solid list. I think some things got left out, one song in particular. But <laughs> Let me ask you, let me ask you, yeah. before we start this, yeah. how many songs did you and I have in common? Uh, let me look at this. Because I was thinking maybe none. but We had three. Okay, oh, well. Three songs in, in common, not in the same order, though. Okay. So I think the list is a little jacked up, but I'm not as mean <laughs> as Jamie, so um, I'm going to give you a pass on that one. Yeah, wow. Uh, let's start off. Oh, well, I'll we'll give out the phone number here first. Uh, 210-619-2053 if you want to join in the fun. 210-619-2053. Let's start off with Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, Dave. Scott, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. Well, good, good. Hey, Dave, I don't know, you know, I, I, I worked with you here in Missouri uh-huh. about 10 years ago. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you remember what I rolled into the parking lot every day at the radio station, too, but. Uh, <laughs> Hello. You want to take a guess? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess it's metal. <laughs> yeah, you'd be right. It's Iron Maiden, Run to the Hill. Yeah, man, making Central Missouri proud there.
And then eventually Chris did run for the hills and decided to get a job outside of that radio station. Yeah. Well. <laughs> you know, I, I I really tried to justify putting this into my top five. I mean, it's an iconic song. I love the song, but it just didn't quite make it there. I like um, the song, too. I do like the song. Without without Jamie's influence here, it, it had no chance at making the top five, unfortunately. Yeah, this is less of a black T-shirt uh, count than <laughs> the usual. This is, this is the yeah. sophisticated crowd calling in here. All right. That's right. It's the Friday Five here on the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Uh, we're doing top five songs with run or running in the title. Let's go to Uncle Schultz. Yeah, gentlemen, happy Friday. I was thinking long and hard about a good song for the Friday Five, and it kind of hit me, kind of like a water bottle made out of metal thrown by a homeless junkie in downtown Portland. Yeah. I'm yeah. Go with yeah. Running with the Devil by yeah. Van Halen. Oh, well, yeah. that's, that, that's a good guess, and I hope you got your stitches ready. Here we go. Number two. Now, this one was my personal number one. Can I love the song. That's an iconic song. It's I, I never too. gone away. The thing, I, you know, there are some songs when you hear it for the first time, you never forget where you were. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was driving to work. I was driving to work. I worked at a radio station. That was 1978. I was just working at a radio station. We weren't playing it at the time. Mm-hmm. But I had a radio station on. I was listening to it. This thing came on. I'm like, who is that guitar player? Yeah. Holy smokes. I mean, the production on that record? Yeah. Wow. It, sounds, so it sounds good. It's driving. It's, it's it just, is. Yeah, it's fun. There's some great riffage, yeah, as there they is. would say. Yes. All right, it's the Friday Five. Top five songs with Run or Running in the title. We've got number two, Van Halen, still looking for numbers one, three, four, and five. Uh, let's talk to John. Hey, John. Hey, gentlemen. Greetings from Deep Blue, Connecticut. How are you doing? Oh, good. Great. Uh, that uh, story, by the way, about the gentleman in Pennsylvania that uh, ran off from the bear. <clears throat> yes. And he uh, is actually not out of danger because he was smart enough on the local Fox affiliate, not to mention his political, his uh, football affiliation. <laughs> when interviewed with uh, with uh, Waters, he did reveal that he's a Cowboys fan in the middle of the pa- of Pennsylvania. Oh, oh boy. Oh, no. He's in real jeopardy now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I do hope he knows how to run. <laughs> you know, that, brings yeah. me, that brings me to my list. Once again, you're forcing me into my Pink Floyd B list, and until you have a Friday Five that looks for songs with cigar in the title, <laughs> I got to go with something from the wall. Run like hell. Yeah. Now, I might figure out a reason to just put together a countdown with Cigar in the title because Have a Cigar is, like, in my personal top five favorite Pink Floyd songs. Yeah, we could play it five times that day. Uh, there you go. Yeah, let's just play that on a loop Because I can't an think hour. of another one off the top of my head, yeah. right? <laughs> All right, uh, the Friday Five, top five songs with Run or Running in the title. We've only got number two so far with Van Halen, Running with the Devil. Let's talk to CD. Hey, gentlemen, and I uh, use that term loosely. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you do. Yeah. 
Yeah, because everybody. And thanks for another above average job this week. It really helped. <laughs> Thank you. I did want to throw out one thing about those eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, they're going to need them for the Biden crime family. No kidding. No yeah, kidding. Just, yeah, that's. <laughs> so well, anyway, what's yeah, the other Joe seven Biden seven thousand going to do? All right. right? Well, yeah. I went with um, one of my old time classics, Jackson. Running on empty. Yeah, I'm Jackson Brown. Number three. I like that song. That, that's that's an song. iconic song, and it is a total test to timer. You know, um, the interesting thing yeah. about that is it was recorded live. Yeah, that whole and, album. And it was. wasn't on a live album. Yeah. Some of it was recorded in hotel rooms and yeah. other things, but it was yeah, that was recorded live. That was <laughs> that's a tight live band, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah that that's a cool. I, I like that album for road trips a lot. Yeah, it's it just it sounds good. It's an interesting thing, and like you said, some of those songs were recorded just in the hotel room, whatever. Yeah, but they did yeah. it, it. It was like the one take kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that uh, that that was a good Casey Kasem note, by the way. Thank and you. now uh, back to the uh, countdown. Countdown. It's the Friday Five, top five songs with run or running in the title. Let's talk to Marty. Hey, Marty. Hey there. How you guys? Good. What you got, Marty? What are you bringing? Well, hey, you know, I really feel your pain with all this Biden BS. So when Trump gets into office, I think that the Bidens will be the band on the run. (laughs) Paul McCartney. Yeah. Number four. I couldn't believe this didn't even make your personal five, Scott. Yeah, I had a hard time leaving it out, too, because I do like it, and I yeah, do it was, like the album. It's a big song, and... It's a test of timer. It is a test of timer. I like the song. That was my number two, yeah. my personal. But, yeah, it made it in the top five, at least, thanks to me. You know. I don't know if my number one's even going to get guessed, but maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe it yeah. will. Jeez. So, it's the uh, Friday Five uh, top five songs with Run or Running in the title. So far, we've ticked off uh, Van Halen at number two, Jackson Brown at number three, and now Paul McCartney and Wings band on the run at number four. We're still looking for numbers one and five here. Uh, let's talk to Woody. Hey, Woody. Hey, guys. Love your show. A friend of mine who lives in Amsterdam told me to go to Subway Sandwich and order the Lizzo. Don't do that. So I did. <laughs> but I did. But when they reached for the banana, I got squimish and got the heck out of there. Yeah, yeah. that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My song, Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. Yeah. Wait, that's not the right one. I'm going to let you have your moment there. I, I, I don't, you yeah, could make I, I, the argument that Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, would be in the top five. Um, yeah. Bruce I Springsteen's bad guy. Um, I, I understand that. Overrated. I do my best to compartmentalize and separate. Well, uh, But that album, in 1975, that album was so big. I played yeah. the 8-track tape of that over and over and yeah, over again. He always, lays, he always lays his head on his pillow knowing he will never be as good as Bob Seger. 
and he yeah, can he can't even write a song as as catchy or good as Kid Rock. So I mean, I would say in terms of test of time, uh, Bob Seger is way out in front of Bruce Springsteen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, I mean, Seger's stuff is all over the radio. Oh, absolutely, it is. To this day, yeah. everywhere, yeah. Um, all right, it's the Friday Five Top Five Songs with Run or Running in the title. Still looking for numbers one and five. The number is 210-619-2053. We'll wrap it up next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins, Jamie Markley on special assignment. We're doing the Friday Five, the countdown we do every week at this time. Uh, doing songs with Run or Running in the title. The top five songs with Run or Running in the title. And so far... We've gotten number two, Van Halen, Running with the Devil. Number three, Jackson Brown, Running on Empty. And number four, Paul McCartney and Wings, Band on the Run. We're still looking for numbers one and five. Wow, man. Yeah, the number is 210-619-2053. Let's start off. We've got a couple of Marys on the line. Uh, We'll we'll knock these out. Uh, Let's start with Mary in Delaware. Hey, Mary. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. Hi, Mary. Happy Friday. Hello. So today I'm going to go with one of my favorite artists, who is Tom Petty and Running Down a Dream. Yes. Yes. Number one. I'm running down a dream. Barry's going to have a great weekend. Back to her number one guessing ways. This was number one on the strength of uh, Scott Robbins. Gosh, I I love love this song. song. I love this song. And when you're driving, you're like all of a sudden you're going 90. You don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah, you're trying to run down that dream, right? It just comes, man. It's you, just, can't, you can't run down the dream at 55, man. Great song. You got to be going faster than that. Oh, I know. All right, so that was number one. We just have number five left. Let's talk to uh, our other Mary on the line. Hey, Mary. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing Good. all right. Hey, How are you doing? I'm great. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a little bit upset right now, though, because I've been trying to get through, and that dang Mary picked my uh, song that I was going to say. And oh, no. It's number one. <laughs> so, but anyway, cheers to Mary in Delaware. Um, okay, so I don't know if this will make your top five, but it's a great old song, uh, one of my favorites over the years. Take it on the run. Oh, and hat, hat tip to my brother Frank. We, we always play our game texting back and forth with our guesses, and he came up with this one. Take it on the run, REO. Oh, there you go. That's an honorable one. I like the song. Yeah, and certainly yeah. it's a test of timer. I mean, that song is playing on the radio somewhere right now at this second. Yep. I mean, that, that, that is definitely one. It just barely missed my top five. I think probably because just personal like score on some others. Uh-huh. It's like it's yeah. high for that song, but not as high as the others that I had right. in my top five. Uh, let's talk to Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, how you doing from Alaska? Oh, hey, I hangry. How you doing, man? Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks. Hey, I was I was just out on a nature hike. And I saw a man in a bear suit running through the jungle by CCR. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That, the sound of this song is so good, man. That, this is one of those mood songs. Oh, yeah. So swampy. Yeah. Bunch of guys from California. <laughs> it's like they're right out of the bayou, man. I mean... 
Love that song, man. Yep. Love it. Uh, let's talk to Derek. Hey, Derek. Yeah, hello. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, what uh, you got? just want to say thanks for uh, what you guys do. Listen to you guys every day. And, uh, oh, thank make, you. Make my day great. So, oh, thank you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go with what the uh, Biden mafia has been apparently doing for years, and that's uh, Steve Miller Band, Take the Money and Run. Yeah. There you, you, go. you would think that would be in the top five, right? I love this it's song. a huge song. It's yeah. a tested timer. It's fun. Yeah. It didn't make it because Scott didn't vote for it. I should have, too. I cannot believe this didn't make the I know, top because five. I actually, I have this song like a personal mix, too. I like the song that much. <laughs> That's worth it just to hear you do the hoo yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love that song because, I mean, it's one of those timeless song. songs. It just yeah. feels, it sounds good coming out of the radio speakers. Um, it, it's something that you can sing along to. It's toe tapping. And also, it gets in it and gets out. It does exactly what it needs to do, tells the story, and you're done. It's like all Steve Miller songs, about three minutes. Yep, exactly. He gets it done. It's yep. perfect, right? Yep. All right, uh, we're still looking for number five here, and this was number five on the strength of Scott Robbins. Okay. Um, this is what may have booted Steve Miller, but anyway, let's talk to uh, uh, Derek. Hey, Derek. Derek. You there? Yeah, yeah. man. What you got? I just told you. Oh, you did just tell me. I'm sorry. I I'm not. I don't usually run the board and the phones and all that stuff on it. Anyway, oh, did he take the money and run. He was taking the money and run. Oh, okay. I, 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 I just told you. that. You know, <laughs> <Okay>. he did. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right, let's yeah. talk to Terry. Hey, Terry, that's who I meant to talk to. Hey, this is Terry from Ocean View, Delaware, and I want to give a shout out to Mary in Fenwick Island who beats me in every week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> And she had my pick, my first pick. Um, but anyway, hey, Slow Joe was here this week on vacation, and I saw in the news he visited Brandon Falls while he was here. <laughs> that, well, that's good. That's good. It's a historical landmark. Did Brandon Falls. Historical yes. landmark. Yeah. Brandon Falls. So anyway, hey, my uh, pick is uh, the Eagles, the long run. There you go. Yeah, that, that wound number up being five. number five. <laughs> I like the song. It's just not as not as big as some of the others, and I think no. you know Steve Miller kind of got hosed. Anyway, all right, there's like that Friday little Joe, Joe Walsh guitar. Yeah, uh, songs with uh, uh, "Run" or "Running" in the title: Tom Petty, Van Halen, Jackson Brown, Paul McCartney, and Eagles. This is the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robin Show. Uh, biggest story of the day uh, to me, it's it's more confirmation that Joe Biden has lied repeatedly about what he knew Hunter Biden was doing, running around the world, making all these business deals overseas. And we know yeah. for a fact he lied when he said, I never discussed business with my son. And he did, in fact, do it. Uh, and Hunter Biden's old business partner actually confirmed that he well, did. Maybe that's the way around it. He didn't talk to him with him, but the other, the other guys are on the phone <laughs> to talk to him about <laughs> There you maybe, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's your workaround. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so we got an update on that. And much more. This Oh, and the big trifecta. Uh, Scott Robbins' top three stories of the day. Coming up next on the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There is Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. You just alerted me to something, Scott. Yes. 
You didn't even tell me to bring my salad tongs today, but no, I didn't. But it's we, it every day. Kamala Harris gives us a gift worth giving, and yeah, she did it again today. Well, she's talking about community banks. I've got the audio ready to go okay. right I, here. I think I think before you play it though, let's just stress it's about community banks. Okay, okay. you right, might okay. not get that if you don't you know might the, not. No, the I know. crucial context here. <laughs> right. you, have you have to okay. introduce it that way. That's very professional oh, of you because otherwise gosh. you may not know the context of what Kamala Harris is talking about. That's right. right. And as the name suggests, community banks are in the community. (laughs) They understand the needs of the people they serve. They understand the capacity and the opportunity, such as the capacity and the opportunity of this community Uh that big banks often overlook or just don't get. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Community banks serve communities that they're in because they're community banks. Yeah. <sighs> All right, then. I, I, I am just dumbfounded every day. And, you know, apparently, and I've been told this, that she actually has people that are coaching her. Yeah. I mean, that they're like round-the-clock coaching is going on. You know, but the, they need to be fired because this is brutal. You know, man, I, I just think there are some people who are not coachable. That's possible. I mean, it is true. I, I, I never want to give a message to anybody that, you know, you should give up on on something. But, that, you know, try your best. And it, sometimes you're just not it, you're you're not cut out for it. Sometimes you're just not going to make it. Um, and, yeah, I it's an interesting strategy having her more visible in the last few weeks. Yeah. And I think it's because Joe's kind of in hiding because he doesn't want to answer any questions about what his crackhead son was doing running around and now we have evidence that no he, he was in on the discussions about the business that hunter was doing uh which he has lied about and so like they'll, they'll put him up there they'll do a little speech or whatever but she seems to be out there really a little bit more she's on the campaign trail you know she's giving speeches about how important to communities uh, community banks are because community banks are in communities and they serve those communities as banks because they're community banks. You know, <laughs> this weekend, folks, <laughs> if you drink a lot of booze, yeah. once you've drank enough booze, what she says is going to start making sense to you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to sound just like her when you talk. Well, there you go. That's the best part. Well, you'll actually sound like a perfect uh, combination of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Because you'll be slurring a lot. And you may drop a word here and there. You may drop in any way, give up on the sentence here and there. Golly, man. But you will absolutely understand the brilliance of Kamala Harris talking about community banks, which serve communities that they're in because they are banks that serve communities. communities. Hence the name Community Bank. And you live in those communities where the banks serve the communities. And the the banks live in those communities as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I saw this. This just made me laugh out loud. So. Have you heard any of the controversy with the New York Times going on? And, and this gets a little deep in the weeds if you haven't followed the story. So activists uh, have been singing a, an old anti-apartheid uh, uh, rallying song called Kill the Boer, which is kill the white farmers. It, it's, it's literally a call ah, okay. to murder uh, people. white people. Yeah, And, you know, of course, at the time the song was sung, there's context and all of that stuff. It's rich, though, because the New York Times covered it, saying the song fuels backlash in South Africa and the U.S. Right-wing commentators claim that an old-fashioned or an old anti-apartheid chant 
is a call to anti-white violence, but historians and the left-wing politician who embraces it say it should not be taken literally. It's so fascinating to me that we just got through with the national conversation about Jason Aldean's song, uh, Try That in a Small Town. Small Town, yeah. And how that was a pro-lynching, oh my gosh. When there's nothing about lynching, it's basically saying, yeah, if you go to a small town and you try to riot or burn down a business, you're going to face some opposition. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing about uh, killing anybody, but that's how it was portrayed in the media. But now you have a chant that literally says, kill people, and we need to contextualize it. And I'm fine with contextualization. I'm fine if you want to have the conversation about it. But, man, the, 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 the drive to put things into historical context only goes one way. Now, Elon Musk, who's from South Africa, tweeted out the, uh, the, the, a screen grab of the article. And he said, the New York Times actually has the nerve to support calls for genocide. If ever there was a time to cancel that publication, it is now. And then this is the stroke of genius. You can read their articles for free anyway using removepaywall.com. <laughs> it's a website that you put in the URL for whatever article you want to read. Again, that's removepaywall.com. And it'll bring up an archive version of uh-huh. it so you can get around the paywall. And I never knew that existed. Yeah, there's also a uh, Google Chrome uh, extension that you can purchase. It's a one-time fee. And then, yeah, you never have to worry about paying for articles ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And so the the biggest guy on Twitter just told everybody, here's how you read their articles for free. I love that. (laughs) That's good. I love that. I'll start paying for it when you guys stop being left-wing hacks. How about that? Let's make that deal. All right. Uh, actually, that's not true. I, I won't. I won't pay no, for you. No, you're going to see you're not paying for that. <laughs> I, I refuse. That's a lie. To. Okay. All right. Are you ready for your big trifecta, yeah, Scott? Go. All right. Yep. Here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins, it's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. All right, it's the trifecta, top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. We count them down three to one, the way that Scott's hero, Casey Kasem, taught him how to count. And if he were here, he would, but he's yes. not. He's with Mark. Well, no, he's, he vacations with Markley. Yeah, yeah. We had, you know, we had a falling out years ago. It was this. It was it was messy. We were both drunk yeah. a little bit, and I, yeah. I wish he would forgive me, but he won't. And so, well, he, we refused to do your long distance dedication because he thought it was weird. He won't do it. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. I I have a soft spot for share, okay? I'm not afraid to talk about it, and I wish that Casey Kasem would have passed along my message to her. That's right. All right. All right. So Do it's the trifecta to talk to <laughs> And this one goes from David to a woman named Cher. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three, single and childless adults are less happy. This is interesting. Uh, married couples... And by the way, if you're married, you may t- tilt your head a little bit, are happier than single and childless adults. I think the key word here is childless. This is according to research from the University of Chicago. A new paper, economists there, found that the married population is over 30 points happier. That's significant than the unmarried, and that number has hardly changed since 1970. Mm. Marital status is and has been very important marker for happiness. 
He based his academic paper on data from the General Social Survey. That and having a child or children. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, because even if you take out uh, any sort of uh, uh, religious or spiritual aspect of marriage and, and, and child rearing, we have a biological drive to reproduce. Yes. And if you don't do that, you're not fulfilling that very basic biological drive. And we need companionship. And I'll tell you this, as a parent of two young kids, it is, it's hard, it's, it's stressful. My kids just started daycare, and right. I'm, I'm the guy who drops them off and picks them up. Um, and that's, it's been very stressful over the last week or so, but it's awesome watching them uh, grow mentally and physically and you feel like you're you're building something, an extension. You're responsible for raising a life, for doing yeah. something that's not just about you. You know, there's only there's only so much you can do for yourself. Um, you know, I think about that when you say that because when my daughter started daycare, I did morning radio, so her mom dropped her off, and then I picked her up on the way home because I was early enough. Mm -hmm. And she would come around the corner just running. Yeah. And give me the biggest hug. And we just, I mean, yeah. it, it, those are those moments, man, where, you, where you're going through it and it doesn't last forever. There's a small yeah. window there, but it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, yesterday, I mean, uh, baby Chuck has been, uh, my, my daughter has been uh, struggling because mom's been stay at home for all of her life until yeah. now. Until recently. Until recently. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it's sad dropping them off in the morning because they're bumming. They don't really, they're, they're not in the groove just yet. It's only been a little more than a week. But yeah, yesterday I went to go pick her up and she saw me, had this bright smile on her face and she was giving people high fives on her way out. My yeah. daddy's here. My daddy's here giving people yeah. high fives on the way out. And I was like, yeah. you're kind of showboating right now, aren't you? Yeah, well, you're you like, know. suckers, you guys have to stay here. My right. dad what, came. I mean, your dad, your dad probably isn't even coming. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. But, okay. but it's not surprising back to the, the survey that, that people who uh, grow up childless and, and, you know, people who have children, I include step parents in that. Of yeah, course. well, that's I mean, what I am. My yeah. stepfather, very important figure in my life. And, and you were, you're, yeah. You know, technically a stepfather, but you're a dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, he calls me dad. Yeah, wa yeah watching watching uh, uh, a little human growing up is something that you really can't uh, describe, and you can't replicate that. No, you can't. On and those, it's just, so, man, they just time just goes by so fast. Yeah. I, I mean, it really does. So all right, but enough about that. Uh, yeah, all right. It's the trifecta, top three stories of the day. Let's get back down to the stuff that makes you crazy, okay? There you go. Yeah, top three okay. stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. Uh, we're down to number two. A mug of dark Brandon is on sale now. This is the stupid <laughs> meme that the Biden camp has right. come up with. Where they made him look like a superhero with his aviators on. Yeah, but but in this one, it's like he's got the glowing eyes. He looks yeah, like a super villain. Right, right. And like shooting lasers out of his eyes yeah a uh, fundraising i guess is kind of slow right now for the old democrats without telling us it's slow one indication though is a little video that was posted on joe biden's x account formerly known as twitter hawking a piece of campaign merchandise joe biden again entered in her embracing his inner dark brandon he takes a sip from a coffee mug with an image of him in sunglasses and the text 2024 including his eyes colored red Team Biden, by the way, thinks this is clever. Biden thinks this is cool. Normal people think it looks really creepy, yeah. like me when I saw it. Yeah. 
it will cost you $22 for this particular piece of campaign merch. Mm -hmm. You can also go on and buy more merch, for instance. T-shirts featuring the uh, the joke after his 2024 re-election campaign. The Dark Brandon stuff is on those as well. Um, so it it's for sale. Everything's for sale. The tour shirts are available right now. Mm. And you can pick up your own Dark Brandon for 22 bucks and drink your coffee out of it. They've been, just like the president does every day. They've been pushing that for a while. And the Dark Brandon thing is not really catching it on. It never caught on, dude. Because it's stupid. It's really stupid. And nobody <laughs> believes it. I don't know how many. I, I can't even tell you how many Let's Go Brandon t-shirts and bumper stickers and flags that I've seen going around. Because it was funny. One. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, uh, near my studios, I drive by it every day. There's a guy who has a big... Uh, flag mounted on his truck, and it actually doesn't even say "Let's Go Brandon." It just says "Bleep Joe Biden." <laughs> but <laughs> a little more forward on that, I've never seen anyone with the dark Brandon thing. Maybe that's maybe somebody out there is doing it, but man, it, they're trying so hard. You know, and sometimes Hollywood does this; like they'll force something on you. You're yeah. going to like this. You have to like this, and you just don't. All right. All right. It is the trifecta top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. I can't wait to hear the details of this. Number one, Taylor Swift killed someone or is a murderer yeah, well, or what happened? I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We live in dumb times. The L.A. Times, by the way, is warning that Taylor Swift concerts may be a health hazard because of COVID. No. Yes. Are you sir. joking? I am not. Could Taylor Swift's tour have fans seeing red on their next COVID test? Some have gotten it earlier at some of her concerts. It's unclear right now whether they've played a huge impact on transmission, but it's definitely going up. Oh, my gosh. But don't be completely shocked if infection happens to you after attending a Taylor Swift concert. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. That's insanity. Well, they've talked themselves into hysteria. A lot of people in news, a lot of people who have been following COVID, where that became their big identity. I, I, I keep seeing all, uh, you know, the, 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 the news about, oh, the hospitalization's up 12%. Like, who cares? Right. Nobody cares anymore. It's just, you know, the no fun police are them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's them. Yeah. Now, if you go to a Taylor Swift concert, you're going to come down with COVID and die. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure all of those 20 and 30-somethings in the audience are really at a high risk of, of having bad effects from COVID, huh? They don't even know what that newspaper is. They don't know what a newspaper is. That, well, that's that's absolutely Shut up. true. All right, yeah. that's the trifecta top three stories of the day, according to Scott Robbins. We've got a news update and Nimrod's in the news coming up right here on the Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. The Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Jamie Markley's on special assignment. He'll be back on Monday. Thank you so much for putting up with us every single day. Um, so we don't have time to get into all the audio here, but Nancy Pelosi... Former House Speaker, still current representative, uh, was asked about the possibility of an impeachment of Joe Biden. And she's saying, well, wait a minute. When we impeached Donald Trump, we did it very carefully and methodically. And nobody wanted to go down that road. Yeah. And when it comes to the January 6th commission, everyone there was serving as a patriot and not there to perform. Golly. Oh, please, man. I know, right. On day one, Adam Kinzinger and Adam Schiff both cried. 
not there for a performance. Give me a freaking break. All right, it's time for Nimrods in the News. (laughs) I know. (laughs) When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News, a Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. Nimrod's in the news, and we go to Florida here, Middletown, Florida, to be specific. A man there was arrested after leading police on a high-speed chase, and at the time, he was driving a Google Street View car. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen those vehicles, right? They're mounted with a bunch of 360-degree cameras. Yeah, right. One running from the cops initially, but then it led him on a high-speed chase. And so, yeah, if you live in Middletown, Florida and your house is a blur on Google Maps Street View. That's why. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's Nimrod's in the news.